Happy American Thanksgiving, Kelly. Do you guys not have Thanksgiving in Canada? We do. That's why we call yours American Thanksgiving. No, 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 no. Ours, ours is Thanksgiving. Is Can- no. Ours is Thanksgiving. <laughs> yours is American Thanksgiving. What is Canadian Thanksgiving? Uh, it's usually in the, one of the first couple of weeks in October. So it's usually when I'm in Kona. I have literally missed Thanksgiving 15 years in a row because I've been in Kona. Oh. Mm-hmm. Apparently, it's not a big deal for you. You guys don't do turkey trots. Are turkey trots not a thing? I think that they are, but again, I have this fifteen-year gap where I'm like, well, I think maybe some of my friends did that. I wasn't really paying attention, but I understand they're pretty huge where you are. They're huge. It's a thing. Everyone does a turkey trot. Like you just do. It just is what it is. I mean, they've always been a thing, but like literally exploded. The numbers are crazy in the last five. It like surpassed the 4th of July as the biggest running day in like 2012. And now it's just huge. Do you have an explanation for this? For why it's huge? Yeah. Oh, no, I don't know. I mean, I think it's it's a bunch of things, right? It it coincides with the running boom period. And the running boom coincided with like a boom in female running. Like we know that that's like general trends, right? And then you also tie in like turkey trots are very much about like earning your thanksgiving dinner which like i have a lot of issues with right so it's always like go out and run off your calories for that extra piece of pie which is super weird let's not frame running in that way running's not a punishment for what you're gonna eat that's that's like weird so that's how it's framed and that's why and then you always bring like donations to and usually it goes to like the food bank and everyone likes to give to charity so it's all like wrapped up in is there a family fun element like yeah it's a whole gratitude family thing (laughs) <laughs> you're Whatever. saying this with like a frown on your face it's a thing well i'm doing the super competitive one so there's one in the bay area that's like the crazy one where like american record holders run it you know okay ten thousand so people do fast it turkey right okay so are you going for a time right so i'm gonna do the 10k <laughs> and you were before the race before the podcast you were like why because because sarah i want to run fast okay yeah, you know okay to run a 10k yeah, you know how I decided I'm going to be fast now? Mm-hmm. You're like, yeah, you know that. Like, two people know that I've decided I'm going to be fast now. Two people and all of the people who listen to our podcast and listen now to know. your newsletter. Yes, now know. And so I decided I want to run, try and run, like, a fast 10K. I haven't run, like, a fast 10K. So I recruited my husband, and he's coming with me. A pacer? <laughs> pacer bunny? Yes, even though he hasn't really worked out in, like, two months, so... Okay, well, we'll see how that goes for him. <laughs> we'll see. It'll be, it'll be fun for everyone. For the whole family. <laughs> okay, coming up on the show, we have a message for Kelly's mom. Tales from my box. Racing pregnant. A voicemail from Andrew Messick. And the Kona slot distribution from Ironman, Arizona. Live Feisties, If We Were Riding is brought to you by Ass Kicker Inc., whose boutique line of activewear for women features positive uplifting messages such as strong is the new skinny and I can, I will, end of story. You can support the podcast, get 20% off with the code riding at askkickerinc.com. I'm Kelly O'Mara. And I'm Sarah Gross. And you're listening to Live Feisties If We Were Riding.
So Kelly, last week we talked about how your mom is headed back to the classroom, back to work after a break. And we asked the listeners if anyone had a message for her and we got a message. And what, yeah, what did they say? Okay. So this is from Lisa. Um, and she said first, first of all, and most importantly, awesome podcast this week, exclamation point, exclamation point. So, <laughs> no, that's the most that. important thing. Sorry, mom. Your job <laughs> is secondary. She enjoyed the podcast last week. Okay. She said she loved hearing how Kelly's mom as a 25 year veteran teacher said there's no way she would be as terrible as she was in her first year teaching. So positive spin. <laughs> and then she said she's 42 and she's actually a first year teacher and that it kind of gave her hope that she will get better. So she was grateful. And or she uh, will at said, least not be as terrible as she is now at some point in the future. Yeah. I think that's what my mom said. I think it's just, it's like, it's the kind of thing, you know, where they say when you make goals, they should just be like small or you should look like for micro steps. It's like, yes, it's not like I'm going to be the best teacher ever. It's like, I will just at least not be as terrible as I was yesterday. <laughs> Whatever. Yay. Okay. Okay. Amazing. So thank you veteran teachers for helping newbies like Lisa. So you actually are coming straight from CrossFit right now because you're now a super big CrossFitter. And I understand you barely made it to record <laughs> barely with made me. it back. I texted you from the gym. Like I need extra time. I was lying on the sofa. There's a couple of like at the gym, there's a couple of sofas just in the like a I don't know what you yeah, call and it. You but... like actually sat on those? Like who sits on sofas <laughs> at the gym? Those are gross. Yeah, I know. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> no, I didn't sit on it. I lay down on it. Oh God, um, Sarah. No, yeah, no. I, was, I was done. <laughs> I think maybe I didn't eat enough or something. I totally crushed myself. So we did like, we did a round of four times, 27 box jumps, 20 burpees and 11 power cleans with full squat. Uh-huh. Um, it was just like super anaerobic all the time. And I, uh, I was, I was crushed, but I wanted to know when's the last time you crushed yourself in a <laughs> this workout? Afternoon. <laughs> this, afternoon. this afternoon was bad because I had to go to work then. So I actually, because I am on a schedule, like my training tends to be a lot more high intensity and not like long and slow, like just because of like my, whatever, because of me, we're not going to get into the, the details pretty much routinely like once a week I have a workout that's just like oh shit that was way too hard and now I like can't function and I have to go do stuff that's amazing oh I I suppose I had that when I was training properly yeah workouts that really I 100% needed my nap yeah it's pretty bad if you don't like plan in the fact that you're not going to be functional Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I did do it at CrossFit one time though and I had to make I don't remember. I've, t- I've told you this. But I don't remember. If I said on this podcast, I uh, was supposed to bike home and I couldn't lean on my arms because they were so dead that I started to crash my bike into the fence and I had to get my husband to come pick me up. Wow. <laughs> I could not bike home. <laughs> I wondered like, as I lay there, like the other people were tired. Right. But as I lay there on the sofa, trying to find the will to get up and go home, I was wondering like, if I just having a kind of like this elite athlete hangover, like, why do I do this to myself? And why don't they like, why couldn't I tone it down just a couple percentages, which would have allowed me to very happily get into my car and come back and be on time for our recording. But instead I I drilled myself into the ground. We'll work on that. We'll work on being content with the mediocrity, Sarah. (laughs) Perfect. Perfect. So you, okay. So when you were a pro back in the day, when you were a serious athlete. You've also had a kid, 
So here's my question. Because mm-hmm. this came up this weekend and we can discuss it a little more why it came up this weekend. But did you train through your pregnancy and race? Did you race in your pregnancy? No, I didn't race. I didn't I didn't do anything that would be considered training. Um part of it for but me, you though, were was- okay, okay, okay. That would it be considered training by like serious athletes you worked out though i worked out sometimes twice a day and the doctor was slightly concerned exactly okay (laughs) yeah so there was that but i but i for me it was almost nothing um i actually my story is a little different because i was a little burnt out when i decided to get pregnant like that was my that's why i chose that time because i didn't want to be training and so hey i actually hear that a lot from people they're like oh i had a bad year guess i'll get pregnant i'm burnt out how about i just have a baby perfect idea (laughs) Totally makes sense. <laughs> well, if having a baby is something you want to do, because I also just wanted a year off from triathlon. So I didn't have that thing of wanting mm-hmm. to stay fit. And But I, I know that there are a lot of women who do a lot more during their pregnancy than I ever did. And so, and I have zero judgment on that. Like I didn't do, I didn't do just a little bit because I thought I shouldn't do more. I did it because that's what I wanted to do. Yeah. I mean, so. obviously like this comes up every it's come up more and more recently because we finally actually like have a generation of athletes that are like getting pregnant and coming back to the sport, which one could like, it's, it's unclear if that's just like specifics of those people or if it's because we've reached a point in society where women come back from pregnancy now, right? Like that, like that's good. And so it's starting to come up more now and there's actually finally some research up until now, people were just like, well, my friend says, right. You just had to go through like common knowledge. When I was pregnant eight, nine years ago, it, that's how it was. I was like reading, literally reading people's blogs to see how much they did. You know, because no real information. No. And doctors tend to be like, oh, don't do anything. And right. fucking bystanders are definitely like, oh, well, she probably shouldn't be doing that. And this came up because Michelle Vesterby raced Cozumel, Ironman Cozumel this weekend. Um, and she's, I don't know, what, like two months, three months, four months, something. She's not like deep into the pregnancy, but a nut, like, solidly into the pregnancy yeah i think i mean i saw a picture on instagram of her today and she looked fairly pregnant like i would i would say four months at least yeah four so she raced this past weekend and ashley with with the iron women podcast was all up on instagram covering like the races this weekend and she posted like what like what do people think about this and there is definitely like i mean obviously a lot of people said go for it but there's a lot of people who are also like i don't know if this is safe she should consult a doctor like you fucking think she didn't consult a doctor? <laughs> like, I think I think I said it, it sent back something to Ashley that was cannot be repeated on air. But like, whatever. <laughs> it's pretty. Well, to be fair, that I feel like about ninety percent of the messages we got back, which probably says something about our audience, were uh, positive. Yeah, yeah, right? for sure. But there were a couple people who were mildly judgmental. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, obviously, and I think this is like, this comes up a lot around here, around where I live, because we have like crazy Olympic runners and stuff. And runners, when they get pregnant, because they're so skinny, it tends to look like even like, it's just like it's sticks just like a out, giant right? basketball. Like it looks crazy. Yeah. And you, but they're still like running around the trails and stuff. And like, I, I got my ass kicked in like a mile race one year by a mile a race eight, by an eight month pregnant woman, right? Wow. And, and after the race, there were, I like walking down the side of the road, there were a bunch of guys who were like, I don't know if she should be doing that. But you have to keep in mind, like, it's all relative. Like, she only beat me by like two seconds and she solidly 
you know, like an Olympic trials, like she normally would beat me by like a minute. Right. Like this was slow for her. It's not a big deal. Like going and do it. Like what you're describing doing two a days was like not a big deal for you. It's all, you probably don't want your pregnancy to be the time you like up your training. Right. Sure. Like, so my two K swim or three K swim in the morning, followed by my 30 minute jog in the afternoon was not (laughs) arduous for my body. And and it kind of kept me help keep me just with the endorphins and stuff so that I don't go into withdrawal and end up depressed during my pregnancy, which would be really bad. Oh, for sure. I mean, they definitely, cause there's also recommendations obviously about like healthy pregnancy and like staying active. So it's just like relative on like what that means. Yeah. So anyway, I think Michelle can do whatever she wants. She ended up dropping out cause she got a flat tire, but whatever she can do whatever she wants. She can do it's whatever fine. she wants. I would love to talk to her though. Still. Like I, I still have, questions for her about not because I would ever judge her, but just because I like would like to know why she wanted to race. Like what was her motivation to race, which would be slightly different than if you were not pregnant. So I'd love to know about that. There is, um, do you remember at, well, this maybe didn't make it to Canada, whatever, but in the U S it was a big deal at the U S Olympic trials in 2016, Alisa Montano who was like the defending national champion in the 800 ran. She was like seven and a half weeks pregnant. And I've talked to her a number of times because she's also like a Cal grad and she like lives here and she's really cool. And so there was a lot of, she talked to me after about it and there was like a lot of judgment, a lot of like, she's unhealthy, but they had to let her race because she is the defending champion. They tried to stop her, but she like uh, has an automatic spot. Mm Mm-hmm. And she said she did it. And she was like a half a lap behind everybody. And she said she did it basically to like raise awareness about like healthy pregnancy and like get people like, you know, people pay attention. And honestly, like she got so much press for that. It still is super good for her sponsors and her money. Like she got like money out of that. Right. But it also, she said she got so many comments from other women who were like, I can, Oh, I can do stuff. You know what I mean? Like Mm. I was worried. And so she was doing it to like get that message out there. If that makes sense to make women feel like they can make their own choices for themselves and do what they want to do mm-hmm. without like judgment. Yeah. Amazing. Good for her. And I think this is one area that is changing rapidly, right? We are learning right now what, Oh yeah. What women can handle exercise wise in their pregnancies. Like there's going to be in 10 years from now, there's going to be a whole pile of information about that. So I'm or not because sports science is like super weird, but whatever. <laughs> I'm I'm thinking positive here, Kelly. Good, good. There was another race this past weekend. Well, there was actually like three, I think, Ironmans this past weekend. But the other big one was in Arizona. Yes. An Ironman yes. Arizona. I still have a cough, so if I'm coughing. That's, that's okay. Why. I'm sorry okay. that you're still sick. Well, no, Sarah, I just have oh, chronic bronchitis. Whatever. Anyway, <laughs> Arizona. Arizona. Uh, happened this past weekend. And I think, okay, so last year when Ironman announced the new qualification system for Kona for the pros, yeah. there was, it was one slot for women, one slot for men at every race, except yes. for some races, like the regional championships would have two. And then there would be some races where there were these like floating slots, right? There, there would be two extra slots that either could be awarded to the men or the women or one to each, depending on like how many pros showed up. And Arizona this past weekend I like checked Thorsten's numbers on this. And if he has the numbers, they have to be right. And Arizona was the first race that's under the system that's had the floating slots. Yes. So the first time we got to see how this would work. Yes. And it worked like 
The guys ended up with three slots and the women ended up with one. And no one could have predicted that. Totally shocking. Well, and what was shocking is how close to the line we were. If Well, let me start with my Tuesday morning story, right? Because there was a lot of okay. talk about this over the weekend about yes. the slots, right? So give us the numbers because it was, I had it up. I had it up. It was. Ooh, you had it in the newsletter. 15 women started, 32 men which is what matters. They only go by starts to determine slots. So it's 15 yes. women, 32 men. In the end, uh, more men dropped out. And so like 13 women finished and only 25 men finished. But, but right. yes, I also heard rumor that if it had just been like two more women starting, it would have been equal. Well, and the other thing to note is that uh, there were 18 women there, I think. Uh, uh, and that the, there were the two list. or three that couldn't start I think somebody okay. was sick. I mean, this is just, I'm just going off what people told me. So I, I cannot substantiate these. <laughs> You're like, we just deal in wild rumor and <laughs> speculation. Right. Just throw out information that somebody told somebody that told me. I mean, there's always, always more people on the start list than actually start. That's just like true. Right. T- always. But there is, okay. T- if we're going to stick to the pure numbers, if everyone on the start list had, had started, then two slots would have gone to the women and two to the men. Okay. Um, okay. So on Tuesday morning, I come out of CrossFit and I have this message on my phone and I'm going to play it for you guys right now. Hey, Sarah, it's Andrew Messick calling. Just wanted to give you a quick update on the outcome of pro slot allocations at Ironmaster. Okay. So So, what was that about? Context, Sarah, give us some context. I had to listen to this a couple times because it's a bit garbled. So I hope you could hear it. Okay. So that was Andrew Messick, and he wanted to talk to me about the slots because... For our less informed listeners, not that everyone isn't informed, who oh. is Andrew Messick? Okay, Andrew Messick is the CEO of Iron Man, and he, I mean, I guess he was obviously watching to see where these slots were going to go, just like any of, the, uh, any of us others who were invested in this situation. And he, I guess he called me, I got the impression he called to express like the disappointment that he had about how it came so close to being two on the women's side and two on the men's side. Per this like secret algorithm that we don't know. (laughs) But whatever, side point. It's a a secret algorithm, but basically it's like kind of the kind of proportionality we've had with slots in the past loosely based on kind of thing. Sure. So then, yeah, so then basically he was expressing that disappointment and I got the impression wanted to engage about what we could do about this. Right. Right. And so then that allowed me to make the point because I've, I've always thought about this particular question that if you're going to create a system where there are, you know, where you may have less slots on the men's or women's side, right. You have to make the qualification system about the merit of individual performances, right? That's how sport works. So I mean, like that's how elite sport works, right? Like what you're saying is if those three women who were sick or injured had started supposedly, and it had been equal slots, like, why does it matter that, you know, like that's not performance based. Like Like, that's not, it doesn't. Somebody being sick and having to go home should not be the reason why Carrie Lester, who came second with 844, doesn't get to go to Kona. That, that is not a system that makes sense, right? So right. if you think about, say, the example that always comes to my mind is the way we qualify for the Olympic marathon, right? So in your, your country might get... Okay, well, in all fairness, Sarah, I think you guys do it different than we do. Oh, but it's... 
like super different. <laughs> but it's but. Per- there's performance standards, right? So you might yeah. your country might get two or three slots for men, two or three slots for women. The slots will be equal though. Like you'll have it will not be based on gender, right? And then if you get if there's three women who make the qualifying standards, they get to go. I actually think it is based on gender, but it's that um like the American women hit the A standard and they got, th- so they earned three slots right. or whatever. And then like the American men did not in triathlon, for example, and oh, they yes. only earned two, mm-hmm. but that's, but they hit the performance criteria. It right. wasn't just like arbitrary. The right. number of slots is not based <laughs> on gender. It's based on performance. Right. Right. And so that's the kind of system that I think that we should have. And I know that it's really complicated with Iron Man to figure out depth of what is the performance and the depth of right yeah like like an 844 in arizona is not the same as an 844 at like placid like that would be oh man 844 at placid would be crazy (laughs) like those are not like like courses are different times are different days are different fields are different a second place here is not the same as the second place there like it's complicated Mm -hmm. for sure but it does feel like if in the end our goal is that like the best people like we determine in a fair way the best people are at Kona that it doesn't feel like we're doing that right. Like our current system is not achieving a fairness of quality. Right. So there's not, yes. So it's not, we're not, it's not a system that's equally fair to the men and the women. And, and I actually, I kind of believe that the women's field does have the depth. Oh, for sure. That, and, and I think that if we had that kind of qualification system, I think the women would be able to prove themselves and would show that they deserve equal slots if we could create that kind of system. So I think, I actually think a guy like Torsten Rad would be able to come up with um, a qualifying system that it would probably be a little bit complicated, but that would take into account depth of field. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. Doing extra slots. Okay. I just got an idea, Sarah. Okay. So you know how my husband raced for the Irish national ski team. Mm -hmm. Everybody common knowledge. And so they were like trying to figure out if they were going to be able to qualify one person in the Olympics or two people. Cause then he would have like possibly gotten to go. Right. So they were like really reading the FIS, which is the ski international federations qualification standards. And they have a system by which they rank like the depth of the field at each race. And then mm-hmm. that determines how many points you get at that mm-hmm. race. And then you need to earn a set number of points in order to qualify. And it's all based on like, who wins the race and what their ranking is internationally then determines the depth of field like number for that race, like a multiplier. And then everyone's places are like multiplied by that multiplier to like determine the number of points, which is only frustrating because you obviously like don't know how many points you're going to get until like the race comes down. Mm -hmm. You're like, Oh, a not as good person won that like change. Right. Like, so obviously there's like, it's super complicated. It's very frustrating, but we could do something like that. It's fair. I, think, I don't know. It might be fair. It's, it's a little weird. It's unclear. Nobody <laughs> understands. Well, at least there's, there's precedent there, right? It's pre- yes. There's precedent there. And it's not, it's a system that's trying <laughs> to be performance based and give the best athletes opportunities to race. Whereas our current system right now is still, it's still basically a punishing is too strong a word, but it's kind of punishing the women because there's not of as many of us. <laughs> Right. Right. And the right, reason right. there's not as many of us is because we've been excluded from endurance because sport, of history, history, whatever, and the culture of sport and da, 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 da. Right. <laughs> so, like, we're not going to do that whole explanation. Go take a seminar. That's right. Yes. <laughs> so it's basically we need to create a system that's going to create the right opportunities for the right people. And I think we can do it. Other sports do it. I have faith. 
Anyway, at the end of the day, I felt like I had, I talked to Andrew for, I don't know, maybe 40 minutes. And we had like a healthy debate about this. And I think I felt like he shared some of my, (laughs) some of my feelings around wanting to change things for women in triathlon. And so I felt kind of positive about it. So good. Good. Go. I mean, obviously where they have the space at the 70.3 championships, cause it's over two days, mm. they have gone to an equal system. And so like, clearly like, you know, and that is a stepping stone. That is an opportunity. I like get like, clearly we are like, we, we see, we see a way Sarah, there is a, there is a thing there. So yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, and we have the, co- the summit coming up next weekend in 10 days. So I'm hoping yes. That through those the conversations we have there, I mean, it's not like we're going to come up with an algorithm for the code of qualification. No, we're gonna, I think just I just not solved a it. I think I just fixed it. You know how when people are always criticizing us for not having solutions? Oh, there is a solution. There it is. Boom! I have Irish lots of ideas. DT. I have many solutions. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> All right. So after the break, we're going to talk benchmark key workouts, like the ones that make you know you're ready to go. We would like to thank our sponsors, Ask Kicker Inc. You can support the podcast and get 20% off by using the code RIDING, that's R-I-D-I-N-G, at AskKickerInc, Inc with a K, dot com. If you don't already, follow us on all the social medias at If We Were Riding on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And make sure you subscribe to our feed on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts. If We Were Riding is hosted by Kelly O'Mara and me, Sarah Gross. Our fabulous editor is Aaron Hamilton. My time, my time. None of you people can tell me to stop this time like the last time. You better get ready to race to the top. I'm ready to do this, show you what the truth is. I step on the field, it's time to get real and I'm feeling so ruthless. Okay, Kelly, so you brought it up. I, I understand you have some benchmark. Well, I mean, I think everyone does, but in the newsletter, there was this whole long like magazine article about like this one workout that like all these like runners do who came through the University of Michigan. Mm -hmm. And it was like a series of track repeats, descending track repeats, like mile or 1500, whatever, 800, 400 interspersed with tempo. But it made me think about your, like, cause then like there are obviously workouts I see before every like I see them regularly I know they're coming I I do I have phases where I see the same workout for like six or seven months you know over and then you think these workouts are special and then you hear like some other pro athletes doing them who doesn't have the same coach as you and it turns out that like both your coaches shared a training squad 20 years ago and so they have like similar so there's really like these workouts that I think we all like 21 by 800 Sarah I think everyone has done that like I think that's like a thing oh, in I've the never done 20, this is on the track yeah. Okay. 21 so this is like, one by 800. Okay. So I've only actually done it once because I, <laughs> I fucked myself up so bad. I got lost in my own neighborhood coming home from the track. <laughs> like speaking of crack, <laughs> there you go. There's a good crack there you story go. right there. But the, it's a uh, 21 by 800, 200 is continuous. So 800 hard, 200 jog. So 21 K, which is a half marathon. Right. And so you, oh, uh, sure. I've done something similar. Yeah. To that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I do them at half marathon pace into like the 200 really, really slow jog. Some people do them faster with like a set time, whatever. This is apparently though, like a very common word. Like uh, then I heard other pros talking about doing it who I've never trained with ever. It's like a very standard benchmark workout. 
Wow. Okay. I, I didn't, know. you know, when you brought this up, I was like, I don't know if I have any. You have um, some. They just sort of changed over the course of my career, but one definitely in the last couple of years was three by an hour and a half at Ironman Pace on the bike. Oh God. No, I only ever get like three by 40 minutes. Well, you haven't built up to the hour and a half. It's coming, <laughs> Kelly. No, I get a lot of the one I get all the time on the bike, though I haven't actually had it in a while is trying to do the math here, but like 10 by five minutes all out, one minute recovery. So it adds up to an hour. You know what Ooh. I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I do that. I have like all outs a lot, like best you can hold for an hour, either three minutes or five minutes. The one I'm currently doing a lot is 30 by 30 seconds, 30 seconds off. That one's fucking terrible. Hmm. Yeah. Those. Yeah. I've, I've definitely done those types of workouts. Yeah. I've, I know like which kind of camps they come from in terms of. Oh yeah. There's. The I, like, yeah. I used to use a much more organic way of feeling my oh. way through being ready. Like, so for example, being ready for Ironman, if you, when I was, when I could run fast, like if I could run say four minute case, so like seven minute miles with a low heart rate, like with my heart rate in the one forties, then I was ready. Right. Like, oh, so I have I'm, no idea whether or not I'm ready. Like to be clear, <laughs> like, I don't know if I'm ready. You're like, I don't know if I'm ready or not. I'm just doing the workout. I just do the work. And then I don't like worry about it. <laughs> I just know when I start to, if I start to rest a little bit and then I start to be able to hold those kind of paces, like I'm out of my long run and I'm accidentally running seven minute miles. Oh yeah. With my heart rate at 140. Then I'm like, I better have an Ironman coming up in a couple of weeks because I'm ready. Well, then you just also feel good about yourself. Like I just like, accidentally ran oopsie. a 705 yeah. on my easy run, whatever. Oopsie, I'm so fast. Yeah. So fast. <laughs> but I do think there are like workouts everyone you just see all the time you've done, you've done three minute half iron or half marathon efforts for an hour. Like every, like you've just, everyone's done these. These this are just true. Things. Okay. I'd like to know some. So if, if people who are listening, if you have some benchmark workouts, send them to Kelly and I message us on, on Instagram, send us an email, whatever you want. We want to know your benchmark. <laughs>